Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Call for the weeping mothers, the lost fathers, and the forsaken children, and let them come quickly. For a voice of crying is heard out of Zion, for we are greatly confused. But death has come into our ghettos to cut off the young men and women from the streets of Philadelphia, New York, L.A., Georgia, Ohio, Florida, Mississippi, and throughout America, South America, the Caribbean islands, Africa, Asia, and all over the world. So return unto me, thus saith Yah, and I will return unto you, O my people. Radio Network, new media for the new millennium. This is a history and current events program 
from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4, 6 states, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people can turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, wisdom is the principal thing. Before get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot, Brother Reggie, and Brother Ralph. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-253-7263. That's 215-253-7263. The listen-only line if you don't have computer access, access to a smartphone, iPad, desktop, things of that nature. It's 559-726-1300. That's 559 559- 726-1300 and that access code is 958590 and pound. Again, that access code is 958590 and the pound sign. We're streaming live at two locations. You can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, it's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening or if you have the tune in app on your smartphone your ipad your desktop your tablet if you don't have it you can download it it's a free app and in the search engine type in time for an awakening and you can listen live from that that's time for awakening uh with the uh with an uh an application on the tune in app Drop us an email at time for an awakening at gmail.com. That's time for an awakening at gmail.com. Time for Awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. You can go to the Facebook search engine and type in Time for an Awakening. A radio program there, you'll always see interesting content being posted daily by Brother Reg. And before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening Radio program with the fan page on Facebook. Tonight, we're scheduled to have a special guest join us, attorney and activist Chokwe Antar Lumumba is scheduled to join us this evening to talk about and give us information and background on the case of Jonathan Sanders, who was choked to death by a police officer on July 8th. 2015 in the city of Stonewall, Mississippi. We'll get an update on that case and talk about other things with Attorney Lumumba, who is scheduled to join us this evening. And we'll be right back to open things up after a brief word from our sponsors. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. Not a 
All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley antiquity to the present our people need to develop a new paradigm it's time for an awakening sundays 7 p.m with your hosts elliot and reggie welcome back to time for an awakening and uh again we're scheduled to have a special guest join us attorney Chokwe anton Lumumba is scheduled to join us this evening to talk about the case of jonathan sanders before we get started uh we're still waiting on our guest. Brother Rich. Yes, sir. How are you, sir? Doing quite fine. Anything going on, any special events, anything going on in your community? Yes, we had a meeting today for the local Philadelphia chapter of I Am One in a Million Conscious Black, uh, uh, you know, One Million Conscious Black Voters and Contributors, excuse me. would like to uh, give a big shout-out. Thanks for Sister... Keisha and Sister Taylor for coming out, getting some information and participating in our meeting today. Also, we'd like to encourage our listeners to please go to the website, www.imoneofthemillion.com. Website again is www.imoneofthemillion.com. Check out and read the guidance papers that are uh, on the website. Uh, for you to familiarize yourself with the information and what this organization is about and what it's trying to accomplish. If you like what you uh, read, share the information with some friends, but before you leave the page, please sign up. Become a member. After you become a member, to commit yourself, uh, please purchase a T-shirt. I am one of the million because we need all the free advertisers advertising that we can get especially here in the city of philadelphia and across the country uh we would appreciate that the website again is www.imoneofthemillion.com if you have some problems and what you're seeing in your family in the news you don't like what's going on this is a way that you can participate there's planks i'm pretty sure one of the planks will be there'll be something of interest to you and to people in your family and the community, for you to get involved, join an organization that's trying to make a change for our people. Dear my brother. Yes, sir. 
Okay. I'm trying right? to uh, connect with the with our guests. Okay. And make well, sure everything goes all right. Oh, great. Go ahead. And uh, we're joined, joined also by Brother Ralph. Go ahead. Oh, Brother Ralph's on? Yes. Okay. Um, the reason why the Time for the Awakening radio program has been very proactive in trying to push this initiative and trying to get our listening audience to become I Am One of the Million is because, you know, there's a lot of things that have been occurring within the last year, year and a half, two years with the voting, with our people not being able to benefit from having a black president in the office. That's one thing. Second thing is we've been seeing the numerous amount of murders of our black women and black men and black youth. We've also seen the, the amount of jobs that have been taken, taken out of the black communities, taken out of the hands of young black men and black women. We have also seen what's the decimation of this school, the schools, public education. This list could go on and on. We're not looking for an anodyne, a band-aid to the problem. We're trying to go to the root to stop this bleeding. We are hemorrhaging. We're bleeding out as a people, as a body. So if you have an interest, if you're in a group that is doing something, that's constructive to the benefit of the whole for our people. I would encourage you to go to www.iamoneofthemillion.com. Check out the information. Get involved. What we're trying to do is look at action plans and things that can be done for our people, especially for our children, 15, 20, 30, 50 years out. Our enemy... That is how they are thinking. They're not thinking about just next year or today. They're looking at the landscape of how they want their community, how they want their world to look at, look like for themselves now and for their children in the future. And if we're not serious about doing that for ourselves and for our children, we need to come off of Facebook, we need to come off of Twitter, we need to come off of Instagram. Stop posting, stop complaining, and get involved. Do something. And, and, and this is what you know why we're a great supporter of this initiative. If you want to have a greater and a deeper understanding of your black dollars, where it's going, how it could be utilized in a more effective manner, I encourage you to go purchase Dr. Jim Klingman's book. It's a new book that's out. I have it. Got it signed by the brother. Was able to reach out and talk to him. And he's also one of the co-conveners of this group. Black dollars matter. Teach your dollars how to make more sense. If you go on the website, www.iamoneofthemillion.com, you'll see information on the website about how to purchase this book. When you purchase the book, great item that will go along with it is the nice one, the nice I am one of the million t-shirt. You know, don't just buy one item, buy two things and show that we can bring our dollars, we can bring our money, we can bring our conversation to the table and work together. The greatest weapon 
against our enemy and against these things that we see that are happening against our people will be us unifying together. I'm not, we're not looking for everyone, every black person in the United States of America to unify. We're looking for a critical mass. We're only looking for one million. One million conscious, alive, healthy in mind, body, and spirit. Black people who are fed up of casting their votes in the ballot box and not getting anything back. Tired of sending their children and paying tax dollars to these public schools and not getting anything back. Tired of sending their children to college, and when their children get out of college, they can't get a job. Tired of, tired of having, just sick and tired. If you're just sick and tired and you want to do something, if even if you don't join this group, join some group that is doing something for the benefit of your children's future and for your community. We good, Elliot? Yes, uh, <clears throat> we have our special guest join us tonight. Okay. Attorney and activist, Chokwe Antar Lumumba is with us this evening. Brother Lumumba. Brother Lumumba, yes. can you hear me? Yes, I'm here. I can hear you. Can we, you hear me? Yes, getting a little interference in the background, but we're going to work through it. Okay. Brother okay. Lumumba, well, well, go ahead. Yeah, first of all, I'd like to thank you for the the opportunity, uh, Brother Booker, to, to speak with you and to speak with your listening audience. Uh, I apologize for the delay in, in uh, my call in. Uh, we are in, traveling right now, uh, trying to rally troops for this this uh, case that we're that we're asking people to come out and support uh, the life of uh, Brother Jonathan Sanders out in, in Stonewall, Mississippi. Uh, it's a brother who was strangled to death by a police officer on July 8th, 2015, uh, mere days ago. Uh, and this brother was was traveling on his horse, exercising his horse. Well, brother Lumumba, do uh, me a favor. Before, yes. you, before you get into the nuts and bolts of the case, yes, it's uh, one question I want to ask you and something I want to say before we even get started. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to thank you for what you're doing. You're walking in the steps of your father, who was a giant, in our community, fighting for the human rights of our people. Your father went on to the ancestors, but he's with you in spirit. And your work as an attorney and an activist, you're walking in the path that I'm quite sure he's smiling uh, down at you right now. So I just want to thank you for what you're doing. You're not an old man. You're a young man. And we need brothers like you out here and sisters out here fighting for the advancement of our people. And I just want to thank you for what you're doing. Well, well, Asante, uh, thank you so much, uh, Brother Booker. And, and I, I am doing my reasonable service, Brother. Uh, and I, I, I hope that at the, the end of my days that people will look at me as an asset to the community. And, and your words are, are much appreciated and, and timely. Today is actually uh, my father's birthday. Oh, great. My okay. father's birthday, and uh, so we hold him in, in high regard. Uh, but he was dedicated to the cause. He was dedicated to fighting for uh, self-determination for our people. And I believe that my father lives in the people's struggle. Okay. And so these, this is how we keep him alive. We keep him alive by continuing to fight against injustice. We keep him alive by continuing to advance the cause of our people 
by fighting for self-determination and human rights on every level. Uh, and so I appreciate that, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you I, so much. I want to talk about the political end of things, too, uh, later on in our conversation. But before you okay. get into the nuts and bolts of, uh, of Brother Jonathan's case, talk about Jonathan as an individual. Because when I read that he was a horse trainer, that yeah. you know that that kind of struck me because that's not something that uh, black folks just jump up and do. That seemed like yeah. something to me that was passed down from his father and probably his grandfather training yeah. horses. But talk about yeah. him as an individual before you talk about this case. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Jonathan was a, a brother who comes from a very uh, rural area in Mississippi, uh, not far from Meridian, Mississippi, uh, close to the Mississippi-Alabama line. Uh, and and he was a brother who, by all accounts, you know, was uh, fun-loving. You know, uh, everybody in the town, you know, didn't didn't even refer to him by his name. They referred to him as, as Mop, Mop Top. Uh, so he was, he was a, a beloved figure within the community. Uh, but he did have a, a uh, certain admiration for horses. Um, and, and there is a population of, of our brothers and sisters uh, who uh, really do enjoy uh, horses and, and, and the training of horses. In, in fact, what Jonathan was preparing for at the time of his death was the Black Rodeo that was coming, the, the annual Black Rodeo. Okay. Uh, which was coming into town, and it's, it's a, a joyous time. It's a joyous time not only to see uh, the different uh, talents and abilities that the, the, the brothers and sisters have with, with uh, the horses and, and, and so on and so forth, uh, but it's also an opportunity for young folks uh, to get engaged uh, with, with those type of things. And so I'm, I'm certain that that's an experience that Jonathan had at a young age. Uh, but he really loved his horse. He had several horses. Um, and, you know, even talking with some of his best friends, said that he would, you know, call them in the, the middle of the night. He said, I just want to race horses, you know. Uh, and he really, he truly, truly enjoyed it. Uh, when someone passed uh, in the town, Jonathan was the one who would buy the meat and barbecue for everyone. Um, he was a community lover. He was a son, he was a brother, and he was a father. Okay. Uh, who loved his children. And, and you know, uh, some of the images we have are him placing his son on a horse, trying to pass the very love that he had, such as my father passed to me. Okay. You know, he was doing the same for his for his children, uh, trying to pass his love for, for animals and his love for horses uh, on to his children. Talk about, according to witnesses, because you're, you're the attorney on uh, that represents the Sanders family, yeah. According to witnesses, what happened that night at the uh, gas station where, where uh, Jonathan uh, was at? Yeah. Uh, what took place is that Jonathan uh, set out to exercise his, his horses. He left his home somewhere in, in the right after the 10 o'clock hour. Uh, and, you know, this is a, a, an ideal time for my understanding to do so because it's not where the sun is at its, its peak. Uh, and therefore, it's, it's not hot. The sun is no longer out, so it's, 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 the heat is, is not as unbearable as it would be during the day. So he sets out, and a friend of his is riding behind him and makes a joke about getting out of the road uh, with, with those doggone horses, right? Uh, and then his friend pulls alongside him 
and when his friend pulls alongside him, uh, he sees that it's his friend, and they're they're you know having a conversation in motion, right? Uh, and then Officer Harrington comes up behind them and uh, throws his lights, his blue lights, on uh, the friend, and the friend then pulls over into the gas station. Okay. Because, as he said, he wanted he wanted to make sure that he could be seen. You know, he wanted to be a, a well-lit area. And as Jonathan continues uh, along the road, uh, he yells to him, he says, man, why don't you leave that man alone? And, and continues going. Now, right? jo- now Jonathan is in a, a buggy at this time. He's not he's, a, dr- he's in a buggy. He's in, he's in uh, what I would kind of describe as like a rickshaw. Okay. It's a small, small buggy that, that's just attached to the horse. Um, not a not a you know a, a really large contraption, okay, uh, and so he he's continuing on his 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 uh, usual route. This is not an uncommon thing. It's not 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 only is it not uncommon for Jonathan, there are other people within the town who do this as well, right? Uh, there are other people that that uh, enjoy doing this same thing. And so he continues on his route, and so uh, the white gentleman uh, who the friend, the friend who was riding on the side of him, uh, is encountered by the officer, and the officer, what, what were you talking to him for? He's like, you're just, you know, having a casual exchange. And so as he, you know, is, is talking to that white gentleman, he's rushing off, according to the, to the, the, the white gentleman who, who has given this account to us. Uh, and he says that he was after him, that he was after him. He said, well, I'm about to go catch up with him. I'm about to go catch up with this boy. Right. So wait a minute. One of the witnesses yes. was a white gentleman. One of the witnesses to the initial uh, encounter. Okay. Right? The, the initial, the initial, in any opportunity from which Officer Harrington would have first uh, noticed Jonathan Sanders that night. Okay. Okay. That's that's all that he. Uh, that's the substance of his testimony. Okay. Okay. Uh, and so then we also have spoken to, and, and mind you, we have been present during all of these interviews with the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation, and we have recorded these interviews uh, at the time of the investigation, right? Uh, and we find them to be consistent and credible, right? Uh, and so then, uh, as Jonathan continues on his on his route, what he does at that point is he calls uh, the gentleman's brother, to let him know that look, man, you know they just pulled your brother over. Looking out for for the white for the white gentleman, right? Mm-hmm. Say, look, they just called, they pulled your brother over. You might want to check, right? And at this time, and we know that he made those statements is because this is where uh, the next witness hears him on the phone saying that, right? Uh, and and the gentleman who he his friend that he was initially discussing with his brother has has also confirmed that discussion, right? But this, this witness hears him saying that on the phone. They're on their porch at this time while Jonathan is riding on his horse. And then this witness says after Jonathan comes into view, they first hear his voice, and he comes into view, he continues along the road. At that time, then Officer Harrington has now, at this point, got in his car and is following Jonathan uh, with his headlights off, following him on the road, stalking, this, stalking Jonathan Sanders. Uh, on the road, there's no no justification for why he would be driving him with no not not we're not talking about his blue light, 
but it's headlights. It's 1030, 10 o'clock at night, right? Mm-hmm. And so Jonathan continues along his normal route, and then he comes to uh, the area where uh, the, the, the eyewitnesses who saw the, the, the physical uh, assault that took place on Jonathan take place. And what the witnesses' account uh, states is that they see Jonathan, the first witness sees Jonathan coming in the distance because he has what, uh, what we would say is similar to a miner's light affixed to his head. That's how he, he, he's looking, you know, forward in the road and, and controlling the horse at the same time. And so uh, the, they see the miner light coming uh, on his head, and at that time, when he comes right around the bend near their house and, and the area where this confrontation uh, took place uh, to where their view is, is, is exactly eight steps from the window to where this, this uh, assault took place. When he comes around the bend, Officer Harrington throws on his blue lights uh, on Jonathan. The blue lights startle the horse, and the horse rears up. And when the horse rears up, it knocks Jonathan off of the buggy. Jonathan then gets up off of off of the ground to try to stop the horse from running away. As he tries to stop the horse from running away, the witness says that they see Officer Harrington come up from behind him, unbeknownst to Jonathan, taking him down. His 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 the, the light that was affixed to his head has now fallen to his neck. And he pulls him down from from uh, behind from the the, uh, the band that that you know uh, held that light to his head, pulls him down to the ground, and places him in a chokehold. What we have now been explained is what they call a guillotine uh, a guillotine hold, and he is choking the brother. Uh, the witness who sees this calls for the attention of two other witnesses in the home. Uh, one witness joins them in the window, and the other one comes outside. And this witness is a, is a witness who is in law enforcement themselves. Right? Uh, it's a witness who, who's a correctional officer. And the witness comes out and, and asks the officer, uh, let him go, let him go. He can't breathe in my grass. He can't breathe in my grass. And at this time, uh, one of the witnesses hears Jonathan say, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And the officer refuses to, saying, He's going for my gun. He's going for my gun. And and uh, the witness with a flashlight, while while this witness is outside, says, I can see him. I can see him. He's not moving. He can't get to your gun where he is. And the officer says, you know, refuses to do so. This this, this plea uh, is going on for several minutes. And then the officer tells, uh, and, and I, I actually left out an important detail, and I, I'll get to that uh, mm-hmm. in the moment. Uh, but the officer tells that witness to uh, take my gun off, take my gun off me. And before the witness could go to take the gun off of him, he says, no, no, let her do it. And, and the her, this is the, the detail I left out, the entire time, even from the, the initial encounter where, where Jonathan was riding the horse and his friend came up to him, this officer is riding, he has a female companion riding in the vehicle with him, not another officer. Uh, this isn't a dispatcher. It's not anyone affiliated in any professional way uh, with law enforcement, right? Uh, there have been contradictory reports, and we, you know, have not gotten any clarity from investigators whether this was actually his wife 
or uh, another female companion. But in any event, uh, an individual who it would be inappropriate to be riding if you're making, especially if you're if you're uh, alleging that you're making an appropriate uh, traffic stop, okay. right, or any type of uh, a stop or, or or suspicion of a crime being afoot, right. Uh, and so he tells, you know, going fast forward, he tells his female companion to get the gun off. All of this time, he still has Jonathan in a chokehold. And the female companion goes to take his gun off but does not know how to take his gun off because, you know, it's a triple retention uh, gun. And so the, the witness has to give uh, the female companion instruction on how to take the gun off finally are able to release the gun, and, and Officer Harrington uh, tells that witness, I mean, tells that, that companion to put his gun in his car. He does, and she, and she does. Uh, the entire time, Jonathan is still in this chokehold, and then the witness returns to her continued uh, plea to release him, to release him, and Officer Harrington still refuses to do so. Then instructs his, and, he, and so he then instructs his companion to call for backup. The companion goes to call for backup but does not know how to utilize the, uh, the, the radio. And so, once again, the witness instructs uh, her how to do so. And so they're able to call for backup, and backup is dispatched, but they go to the wrong location. And so the witness then asks uh, the companion to ask them, what's your 20? And they find out that they're at, uh, according to what they tell them, that they're at uh, a different near a different baseball park than is closest to the scene. And so they finally arrive, and this, by the witness's account, is, is greater than, than 15 minutes in time that this, this brother has been in a chokehold, not responding, not, not, not moving, and no longer saying anything. Uh, and so when, the, when backup finally arrives, when the officer who, who is next on scene comes up, Officer Harrington says to, to uh, his colleague, I think I put him to sleep. Uh, you know, this is uh, an officer who we know has martial arts training, uh, not only has martial arts training, uh, is, is uh, supposed to have uh, police training, uh, and would know that, that in order to put someone to sleep, you had to be conscious that you were depriving them of oxygen. Uh, to do so, and it would only take mere seconds in order to put someone to sleep. Uh, and so, by comparison, we know that that Eric Garner and the video of Eric Garner's death mm-hmm. that 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 entire video was less than three minutes. And so, this is an egregious act, which which is of no it was no mistake. There was no confusion in, in what he was doing. What he is doing is laying on a man's throat for 15 minutes or greater, thinking of an excuse, thinking of an explanation for when someone shows up as to why he is is, is choking a man in a guillotine hold for 15 minutes, a man who he had no reasonable suspicion, uh, no, no probable cause to have ever made any contact with him whatsoever, a man who was not fighting him, a man who did not even know that, that the attack was impending at the time that he was dragged to the ground. Uh, and so once this, this uh, second officer arrives on the scene, uh, the officer gets John, uh, Officer Harrington, uh, the, the second officer gets Officer Harrington's 
handcuffs out of Officer Harrington's car because he didn't even have his handcuffs on him, uh, and places them on Jonathan. They try to sit him up, and, you know, our dear brother falls down, falls back on his back, uh, legs still clenched together from having been in the dirt, never making any motion. Uh, and, and, you know, later EMTs come and try to do uh, uh, CPR unsuccessfully, and as they sit him up, uh, again, blood rushes out of his mouth. I also left out the detail that the witness who was pleading from the onset for Officer Harrington to release him was also pleading to do CPR during that entire encounter. Uh, the witness is, is, is more than 10 years certified in CPR. So this was, this was a murder. It was uh, a murder where a man was stalked down, uh, tra uh, an officer traveling without headlights on, following a, a, a brother who was just on a horse, just simply carrying out a, a pleasure of, in his life and, and, and exercising his horses, preparing for a rodeo, uh, not doing anything. And, and, and so we know that in these circumstances, we see the blueprint that has been laid out. The blueprint is is that we we have these unjustified uh, killings of uh, of our unarmed brothers and sisters, and then the next step is to to look for methods of character assassination after they are killed uh, in in their physical body, right? So they start bringing up things which have no relevance, no relevance to the occurrence uh, which took place on July eighth, two thousand and fifteen, and so they're they're trying to justify, and so they've come up with this new story that they found drugs on him, and, and that there was some, uh, according to Officer Harrington's uh, attorney, that when he found, uh, when he allegedly found drugs on him, he stopped him. Uh, I don't understand exactly how this police stop took place with a brother on a horse and an officer in a car, and the horse stood still, you know, and, and you know, it's just at, at bay while they're, while they're doing this. But in any event, he claims that, that uh, he does this stop, finds drugs on him, and then there is a fight that takes place where Officer Harrington's gun is wrestled away from him out of his holster, right, uh, and his triple retention holster, right? And as his gun is wrestled away from him, it falls to the ground, and Officer Harrington uh, is able to retrieve his gun from the ground, and he reholsters it only to then engage in a physical altercation, Right. Uh, so he would take his gun, that he would have justification for using deadly force, right, if that circumstance took place. And instead of using it to subdue the, the altercation, he then decides uh, to, to make it a physical, uh, a physical battle, right, which defies, it, it is inconsistent with, it is inconsistent with any witnesses, uh, and we have three witnesses who, who, who saw this, uh, and, and, say that there was never any physical uh, uh, fight. Uh, it, 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 so it, it is in direct contradiction to their accounts and is in direct confrontation or, or a contradiction to logic. To logic. It, it, is of no, it would make no logical sense for an officer who is in a fight from someone who took his gun to then reholster the gun and then use a physical altercation. Attorney Lumumba, uh, yes. uh, Brother Sanders was choked by the rope from his light or, or the the, uh, the officer's nightstick. Well, I don't know whether they, they carry nightsticks uh, he, in Stonewall. Well, uh, the the light was 
around his neck uh, at the same time that he was within, he was in uh, Officer Harrington's arm. Okay. Uh, so, so to try to illustrate it, uh, Jonathan would have been uh, on the ground with his knees in the dirt, uh, his his head his head bowed down into the ground, okay. somewhat of a praying or, or fetal position, arms inside by his neck, and Officer Harrington would have been opposite of him, uh, uh, laying on top of his, him with his arm uh, under with his arm with, with his arms around his neck, right? Almost with, it would have Jonathan's the back of Jonathan's head would have been on Officer Harrington's chest. Okay, as Officer Harrington is choking. Now, what um, before because we'll get ready to go to the break, and I want uh, we'll, we'll um, go to conversation afterwards, uh, and you can join this conversation at two one five two five three seven two six three. That's two one five two five three seven two six three. Attorney Lumumba, what excuse, if any, did he give for witnesses saying that he used a racial epithet or called uh, Jonathan? I'm going to get this nigger before he yeah. went after him. Did he give any? Uh, we, Go ahead. we have not. We have not heard his his, his explanation to, to that, or his explanation to, to any of the other witnesses' uh, accounts. Uh, you know, he just he just uh, puts forth a story which defies you know defies logic and, and defies you know he, he's brazen in his stories. You know, uh, without respect for the life that he took. And without respect for the the the, uh, the honest accounts of others, uh, he he you know takes his supreme position that we should believe him above all, even even our own uh, logical understanding of, of uh, the sequence of events. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, like I said, we're going to continue the conversation, get Brother Ridge, Brother Ralph involved, and you can join too at two one five. Two five three seven two six three. That's two one five two five three seven two six three. We're joining conversation this evening with attorney and activist Chokwe Antar Lumumba discussing the Jonathan Sanders case. We'll be right back. tuned in to the black talk radio network for podcasts and live program scheduling visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com all insurance incorporated an african-american owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years located at 231 southeastern road in glenside pa with other offices in germantown and west philadelphia call now for commercial insurance quotes homeowners insurance quotes automobile insurance quotes notary and tax services representing over 15 major a-rated insurance companies offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote call this number two one That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. The 
before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. What is in one million brothers and sisters who are tired of the same old rhetoric, the same old leaders, the same old ways of dealing with political and economic empowerment? If you realize that nobody's going to save black people but us, if you understand that no existing political party prioritizes the best interests of African Americans as a collective, if you believe that leadership is as leadership does, and this means that the best leaders for the black collective must come from the ranks of those who place and hold the best interests of black people foremost and uttermost, if you understand that black people must develop the mindset and the will to finance their own racial uplift organizational efforts, then get involved with one million conscious black voters and contributors. The movement is now. Go to www.iamoneofthemillion.com. That's www.iamoneofthemillion.com. The, contr- the controlled press, the white press, inflames the white public against Negroes. The police are able to use it to paint the Negro community as a criminal element. The police are able to use the press to make the white public think that 90% or 99% of the Negroes in the Negro community are criminals. And once the white public is convinced that most of the Negro community is a criminal element, then this automatically paves the way for the police to move into the Negro community exercising Gestapo tactics, stopping any black man who is on on the sidewalk, whether he is guilty or whether he is innocent, whether he is well-dressed or whether he is poorly dressed, whether he is educated or whether he is dumb, whether he's a Christian or whether he's a Muslim, As long as he is black and a member of the Negro community, the white public thinks that the white policeman is justified in going in there and trampling on that man's civil rights and on that man's human rights. Once the police have convinced the white public that the so-called Negro community is a criminal element, they can go in and question, brutalize, murder unarmed innocent Negroes and the white public is gullible enough to back them up. This makes the Negro community a police state. This makes the Negro neighborhood a police state. It's the the most heavily patrolled. It has more police in it than any other neighborhood, yet it has more crime in it than any other neighborhood. How can you have more cops and more crime? Why? It shows you that the cops must be in cahoots with the criminals. The police the same way. They put their club upside your head. 
and then turn around and accuse you of attacking them. Every case of police brutality against a Negro follows the same pattern. They attack you, bust you all upside your mouth, and then take you to court and charge you with assault. What kind of democracy is that? What kind of uh, freedom is that? What kind of social or political system is it when a black man has no voice in court? Has no nothing on his side other than what the white man chooses to give him. My brothers and sisters, we have to put a stop to this. And it will never be stopped until we stop it ourselves. They attack the victim. And then the criminal who attacked the victim accuses the victim of attacking him. This is American justice. This is American democracy. And those of you who are familiar with it know that in America, democracy is hypocrisy. Now, if I'm wrong, put me in jail. But if you can't prove that a democracy is not hypocrisy, then don't put your hands on me. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. We're joined in conversation this evening with attorney, activist, Chokwe Antar Lumumba. We're discussing the case of Jonathan Sanders, who was murdered on July 8, 2015, in the city of Stonewall, Mississippi. Attorney Lumumba? Yes, yes, brother. Uh, before brother, I thanks. pass the mic to uh, Brother Reggie, let me ask you the... Um, I'll ask about the autopsy later. But tell me, what is the racial demographic of Stonewall, Mississippi? Uh, Stonewall is a a, a very small uh, town. It's, it's a little over uh, 1,000, 1,100 people, 1,100 people. Uh, and uh, black, the black population is approximately 30%. Uh, of that, and, and the, the remaining portion it would be 70% white. Uh, so it's a town where our numbers are few, which is not necessarily uh, a reflection of uh, the state of Mississippi, mm-hmm. the state of Mississippi. And, and uh, I think that that is important, uh, and I can speak to that in a moment to your listening audience, but I think that, that has everything to do with why uh, such a place, uh, is important not only in Mississippi, uh, but it's important throughout this country. Uh, Mississippi is a place where racism has been perfected. Uh, <laughs> and, and Mississippi, much like uh, Haiti, uh, Haiti, uh, a country which was uh, developed from slave revolt, uh, was a, a, a space where uh, it was in the interest of oppression to not allow Haiti to succeed, Right. Uh, if an example of, of independent uh, uh, black self-determined people who, who revolted for their for their freedom were to succeed, then it would serve as an example to slaves, which exist throughout the 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 uh, the, 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 the world, right? Uh, and so Mississippi operates in that same vein today. Mississippi is a space where the highest concentration of our people live, right? Uh, the black population in, in the state of Mississippi is approximately 40% from the statistics that we're given, right? Okay. Uh, and not necessarily whether they're, they're com- completely accurate. It could be far greater than that. Uh, and so uh, Mississippi is a place where oppression has to be perfected because 
if 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 we can demonstrate uh, self determination and, and uh, demonstrate control for our own lives in Mississippi, then it would serve as an example uh, to the rest of the nation. Mississippi is not the the uh, is, is not the exception. Mississippi is the rule, and so that's why we have to make the call for for your listeners uh, to be concerned about what's happening in Mississippi and understand that this plays a significant role not only in Mississippi but in terms of uh, the value uh, and the defense of black life wherever it exists. Wow. Let, let's go to uh, Pastor Mike to Brother Reg. Brother Reg. Yes. Uh, good evening, Attorney Labumba. Um, glad that you're on. The questions I what I'm seeing what I'm seeing is something that, that I know you're aware of that's happening across this country with our mm-hmm. with our people. I want to know first question. Do you think uh, what is happening needs to be legislated away? Do, do, do there need to be new laws, or what's your thoughts surrounding that? Yeah, uh, laws may be an option. It may be an option, but but to be completely honest with you, brother, mm-hmm. I think what we see now, and, and and this isn't a new issue. This isn't a new issue. Uh, the the uh, magnifying glass may be on it at the moment. Right. Uh, but I was listening to the speech uh, that was going on from our dear brother uh, while we were on the commercial break. And so we obviously see that these aren't new issues that are that are uh, surfacing here, but the longstanding ones. And I think they ultimately are issues of human rights. Right. Uh, because there are laws that are on the books. Right. When someone murders another person, the law says that they should be tried. Right that they should be brought before trial to, to, to uh, establish their guilt innocence. And if we really look at what we're dealing with, we're not even dealing with uh, the stage of, of, of guilty verdicts. We're making pleas just for our, the, the, the murderers of our sons and daughters to be taken to trial, just to be taken to trial. That's the plea that we're making, right? Uh, and so anytime, and I, and I was listening to your, your, your conversation earlier when we were talking about black business, right? And so we, we have to come to the point where we understand that, yes, we have to, to support our black businesses. Yes, we have to own our culture, right? And, yes, we have to defend our black lives. And, therefore, all of those issues encompass issues of human rights, of human rights. And so uh, the, the struggle for human rights goes beyond just civil means, right? Uh, there, there is opportunity for, for legislative action, right? There is opportunity for... for uh, for action within the judicial process, right? Uh, but we cannot eliminate all options, right? Uh, anytime we had a, a rally in Stonewall the other day uh, demonstrating against the death of, of Jonathan Sanders, and, and I had every cop in the state of Mississippi call me uh, wanting to know whether or not uh, we were going to have a peaceful demonstration, a peaceful demonstration. And so I told that crowd, that, look, this is our stance. Yes, we come in peace. Yes, we come in peace, ready to defend, ready to defend our lives, ready to defend our children's lives, and ready to defend uh, the right to live self-determined existences. Okay. Thank you for your answer. I'm a firm believer that there should be different strategies. Yeah. In reference to this, I'm glad of your answer. The reason why I was asking you in reference to the legislation we have a sister, uh, we haven't had her in the program yet, but we do plan to have her in the future named Gerald. Sister, uh, his name is Gerald Sanders. And her organization or group 
is uh, pushing the Uniform Reporting Law Enforcement Improvement Act, and it's Mm -hmm. designed to strip law enforcement of unbridled power. It's basically a community legislation. So I just kind of wanted to put that out in the conversation, uh, you know, to make you aware and let the listening audience know that there are, that's one strategy to try to combat and counteract this. My next uh, question I want to have, this is something that we've been talking about, I think is another strategy, and you're you're a prime example. Uh, I met a sister today that came to our meeting, and she's graduating uh, this year. And she, she's very open and conscious about what's going on within the black community and says that she's really considering becoming, a, 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 you know, going to law school. I'm looking at that as another strategy. And I just want to know your mm-hmm. thoughts of what can we do to support our younger people that are concerned about our community and also uh, want to do something in the realms of law in relationship yes. to helping our people. Uh, I think that that, uh, the primary focus in whatever occupation we we take on is that we have to understand that we must be activists first. Uh, For myself, I have to be an activist first and an attorney second, right? Uh, And and as you ask that question, I think of the words of of Brother Charles Hamilton Houston, who said that uh, the black attorney has the opportunity to be either a social engineer or a parasite, right? Mm -hmm. Or a parasite. And so we have to understand the power uh, of those those spaces, and, and you know, it's, it's uh, and I, I I don't know the sister, but from, from your account, you know, I applaud the sister's uh, desire to go in that profession and, and uh, you know and, and 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 look for her her assistance to our community. Uh, but we have to understand that that all the talents that we have that we gather are not ours alone. They are the fruit mm-hmm. of our labor as a people, and they belong to us as a people, and they must be used accordingly. Okay, let me let me slow you up, and I want you to repeat this. I'll make sure I understand in the listening audience. So, can you give me uh, uh, like explain it um, either the same way or a little differently? Now you're mm-hmm. saying that no matter what profession that you're involved in as a black person, that yes. you have to be an activist first, then your profession is second. Can you explain that? Because this is something that I think we need to <laughs> explain to our teach our children. Also, mm-hmm. and knowing mm-hmm. that when they're picking a profession, you know, you're putting you're putting something first and then you put something second. So the profession and the money. Is it secondary to your activism, to yourself it's, or yourself and your family and your community? It's secondary. It's okay. secondary. And, and even the money, uh, every you know, you're, uh, in order to reach the end of, of, of liberty and, 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 uh, and, and freedom, true freedom for our people, right, uh, we have to decide what sacrifices we make, right, and, and be prepared to sacrifice our time, our minds, and our wealth, right? Uh, and so what I mean by that is, is, is identify what, what your true end is in life, right? Is your end just to make money or is your end to improve the conditions of your people, Right. And if your end is to, is to improve the conditions of your people, then the, the occupation you choose, right, whatever you do in life should be a, a, a means to a one means by which you go forward to try to achieve your greater end of, of, of creating a better condition for your people, right? And so if you're an attorney, then you need to make sure that your, your, uh, your direction and, 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 and what you take on in your legal profession is a day-to-day uh, uh, 
and and an active uh, part of your objective to improve the conditions of your people. That your day to day, your your that's what your effort are it, it is at the time that you go into that office. That is what your effort is when you go into the courtroom or 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 wherever the legal profession takes you. Not every attorney is in the courtroom. Uh, if you're an engineer, right? You need to find ways uh, that you build uh, structures uh, or, or, or try to give of your talents to build structures which build up our community, right? If you're a gardener, maybe you just need to plant red, black, and green flowers, right? Whatever you do, <laughs> right? <laughs> Whatever you do, uh, it should be aimed at improving the condition of our people. That's, that's, a, very, that's a very interesting response. And as you were speaking, what I was thinking, thinking of uh, – Elliot and I had the chance to have Michelle Alexander on our program yeah. when she first wrote her book, The New Jim Crow. And yeah. what was interesting, she told us her story about being in the law. And after she started questioning what she was seeing and doing some research, prompted her to make a change in some of her thinking and what she was doing within her profession. But the interesting piece that I remember and I, and I was perplexed was that she's on the end of trying to eradicate the system and her husband is on the other side of putting people inside. So I said that makes for good, interesting dinner conversation. So, I, 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 <laughs> I, I, yeah, I appreciate you breaking that down because I think that yeah. what, you, what you're stating, I think we need, really need to start – pushing that sort of concept toward our younger people for them to have an understanding that it's not the almighty dollar that's the end game, but whatever your goal is, it should be a goal to benefiting yourself and your people because without, as you stated, without the, the, the blood, sweat, and tears of our ancestors and people, we wouldn't have some of these positions and opportunities that we have now. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, brother, I have to admit that, that I was blessed. I was blessed, brother, because I had an example mm -hmm. uh, that was in my house that I, I saw a brother who who uh, was had all the talent and ability uh, to make as, as much wealth as he as he as he desired if he if, if that was his goal, but he dedicated himself and used the profession, uh, and, and at the, the same time, all of his talents in whatever regard towards the. Uh, the struggle for, for uh, self-determination for our people. Uh, but my father was inspired uh, by others. Uh, namely, I, I, I happened coincidentally to run into a brother by the name of John Britton, Attorney John Britton, uh, who represented the RNA 11 uh, in Mississippi uh, in, the late, in the early 70s, in the early 70s. Uh, and that was my father's, it was an opportunity by which he could see that he could be a part of the movement and still in the profession. My father said that was coupled by when he read uh, Malcolm X's autobiography. And Brother Malcolm said that, you know, he wanted to be an attorney. And he was told at that time as, as a child that that wasn't a realistic goal for, for, uh, for a black child, right? Uh, and so my father set out to be the type of attorney that Brother Malcolm would have been, right? And so I think that's, that's a powerful way of looking at things. And, brother, before I pass the mic, I, I have to ask you a question. I, I'm truly impressed by you and, and your level of service and, 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 you know, your lineage. And I wanted to see, we, we, have our, we have our one in a million Conscious Black Voters Contributors Convention in Philadelphia in October. I wanted to see if you might 
have some free time. We could talk off air because we would love to have you come and uh, present that message of what you talked about, about activism first versus just the job or the career, you know, in that order. I just wanted to see if that might be something that you might be open to having a further uh, I, I, discussion. Absolutely, brother. I, okay. I certainly would, would, would like to, to come out there and and, be, and 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 we can make it happen. Uh, I, I would have to check what my calendar is to see about. Yeah, yeah, no problem. We can no make, problem. We can make it happen, brother. We no problem. Uh, we appreciate you. Yeah. We appreciate you. Yeah, and, and I'd like to say that we're also calling people to come to Mississippi. You okay. know, uh, come to Mississippi on this Jonathan Sanders uh, case, and and we're going to develop an action uh, around the time frame that they're. They're stating that they're going to present this to a grand jury, and that's in, in September. In September, so you will be okay. hearing the call for, from us as well. Okay, great, great, and we'll definitely put that out there. Uh, we uh, put the information out on our Facebook and social media, and uh, within our group, and uh, you know, the one million conscious black voters contributors. That's uh, police brutality is one of the planks that we have as a group that we want to fight against, and, and, and we, we need to have an outside organization of community people to be able to police the police. You know, we need that. Absolutely. 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 That was was a prong of what we talked about in in, uh, my father's campaign and and mine as well, uh, where we talked about uh, community uh, citizens review boards, citizens Mm -hmm. review boards. And and, uh, we, and and that does not limit them to, to just when, when action is taking place, uh, how they hold them accountable, but also uh, how we deal with uh, their interaction with and their training of their interaction with our people to begin with. Uh, and so make sure that they they understand that there is a body with, with uh, power to hold them accountable for, for, for the actions that they, they, they take, they display. Brother Ralph? Yes, sir. Uh, peace, uh, Attorney uh, Lumumba, and... Uh, I, like Elliot, want to thank you for your service, man. Uh, what you're doing, um, you know, uh, it, that's a great thing. Um, and it's funny that I'm talking to an attorney tonight because me and another brother was talking earlier um, about some of our African-American or black attorneys. And when situations like this come up, uh, they they have a tendency of running away from this situation or make it pretend it's not there or, you know, and, and you went on ahead and do, and like you said, you're an activist first and an attorney second, and uh, I just have to take my hat off to you for that reason. Um, also, you were talking about uh, Brother Malcolm, his speech, and one of the things that I've seen, you know, as we were talking or holding this conversation tonight, they also talk that we have to do for self. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, uh, that is so major because what we have become, and uh, we become like a dependent on a brutal system that's going to continue doing these things. We, we cannot pray yeah. these things away. Uh, yeah. We can, you know, we cannot just uh, continue to have marches. These things I see are going to continue they're going to get, and you talked about the grand, uh, the grand jury. I always called those the grand dragon because yeah. it, it, we seem to never get no justice from them either. So, uh, so, uh, now, uh, you know, this is, 
and, and believe me, I'm, I'm, I'm really grieved about all these murders that I read about, that I hear about. Sometimes I just got to take a break from everything and just say, man, I can't take no more because it seems like we keep repeating the same mistakes and we keep doing this, getting the same results. But I am, I'm, I'm truly grateful that you're trying to do something about it. And like I said, we have an organization we would do our best to try to help you in this matter, I, you know, because um, I think that's what activist organizations, you got to step up to the plate when, uh, when, yeah. when the situation is necessary. And right now you're down in one of those little small southern towns. And, 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 and believe me, the South is no different than the North. Like Malcolm X said also, everything, um, you, can't, you can't call the South the South except everything south of the Canadian border is the south. Yeah. So the same things, go, same things going on down there is going on up here, going on out west. I mean, it, it, it's, it's this country, man. And uh, I, I wanted to find out, now, is this officer on paid vacation? Or what they say, uh, uh, he's on paid vacation leave, correct? Uh, he's on administrative leave. Now, whether it's paid or not, there is contradiction there. Uh, he is a, in this town, all officers are, are part-time. Uh, and so we've heard reports that he was being paid. We've also heard conflicting reports, or they, they said that he is not because he's only a, a part-time employee. Uh, but, but we have not, uh, those, that fact has not been verified. Listen, I, I thank you, brothers, for, for, uh, your time, and I thank you for, for your statements in terms of, uh, of our work on this, but I'd like to thank you, brothers. I'd like to thank you, brothers, for, for uh, creating this platform by which we can talk about these things. Um, and and that, that really uh, is, is absolutely uh, critical to our movement as a people, that, that you know, we have to educate, motivate, and organize our people at every, at every level, right? And so uh, this, this program and, and y'all's movement uh, allows for that to take place. So I thank y'all for that. And what you were saying, brother, about, you know, being grieved that, you know, we seem to repeat the same mistakes, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. And so that's why I speak to it as, as more than just, you know, the issue of, of police brutality because it's the issue of human rights, right? Right. Human rights is, is, is uh, when, when you're not self-determined, then, then you occupy God, or you, you, you hold jobs, right? That, that you, you don't really own, right? Uh, you don't dictate how you're paid. You don't dictate what you're paid. You don't dictate, you know, how that business works. And so you're, you're held uh, captive by the, the person who gives you a handout, right? And so if you don't own your own businesses, we don't support our own businesses, if we don't have our, our own uh, sovereign ability to control our lives, right, then that, that restricts how loud we, we, we uh, demonstrate when someone is killed in the streets, right? It restricts how much justice we truly anticipate or expect we get from a system that honestly uh, does not care about us, right? And so until we find ways to control our own destiny, uh, then we will be returning to these same discussions, right? And so our, our, strategy, uh, our strategy at this moment uh, has to incorporate the larger strategy and the larger goal of moving to an independent space uh, in terms of how we function and operate in order to, 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 uh, to solidify uh, 
any any uh, any movement towards uh, protecting our lives. Attorney Lumumba, uh, did um, I, I know you're traveling? Do, do you have uh, a little more time to spend with us? Yes, I do. I do, Good. I, and I, I actually happen to be in Pennsylvania. Right Oh, okay. Uh, let's take let's let's go to the phones because I got a couple more questions related to Jonathan. But let me let me go to the phones. Two one five area code. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, Brother Richard, Philadelphia. How are you, Richard? Hi. Uh, good. Great. Good. Uh, Brother Lumumba, the the word that you just um, uh, started me off with as I was jotting down um, and listening was the question about sovereignty, and um, I, I think you know as you as you said. To be to, to move toward that human rights uh, platform is, um, you know, but the, the point the the point and the question I want to get from you out of this out of this particular experience is: Do you think um, that we're more? And, and I know I'm asking you from your experiences where you are now, more towards pushing for the human rights agenda or sovereignty. Um, then, as you heard the moment um, when Brother Malcolm was raising his point about human rights, uh, uh, um, do you think we're more towards that? Now, I know it's an opinion, maybe opinionated uh, uh, question, but I just wanted to get your view, your perspective on that. Okay. Uh, well, thank you, Brother, for your question. And, and uh, hopefully I, I heard everything that you were you were saying. Uh, some parts were a bit muffled to me. Uh, but... but uh, I am committed to a human rights agenda. Um, and I think the human rights agenda is the umbrella under which uh, many of the issues that we suffer from fall under, right? Uh, so, so uh, yes, we're, we're, we're on the ground on this, on the issue of, of uh, our brothers and sisters being killed by, by, uh, by police officers or, or uh, white vigilantes, um, uh, but those issues of racism and, and, and all others uh, fall under the, the, the abuse of human rights, right? Uh, you know, what we set off to do in Mississippi is to provide a model to the world of what, and, and when I say what we set off to do, I'm, I'm, I'm referring to uh, my father's campaign to run for mayor, right? And then, and then my pursuit of, of the same afterwards. Uh, but it, it's an agenda under which uh, we want to show the world uh, that Mississippi, which, you know, a place which, you know, has has the history of, of horrible suffering, right? And not to say, and I agree with the brother who said that anything south of, of, the, of Canada, you know, is the south. I, I agree with that. Um, but Mississippi is, uh, you know, and, and a, but just to counterweight that, you know, Mississippi is, is a place where, where uh, racism and and hatred has been perfected, right? But it also is a place where uh, we find that it's pregnant with opportunity, right? If you have a, a concentration of our people, which is at 40%, right, uh, then you have a, a, an opportunity that if we can uh, develop a strategy uh, by which we can, we can mobilize and educate our people, right, and, and put uh, structures in place where we can become independent and we, don't, we become less dependent uh, on on the, the, the present system which which uh, which oppresses us, right? Then then we can truly we can truly have have uh, a greater level of self determination, right? 
and that can serve as an example to, to any space where where our people reside. That's why I say what takes place in Mississippi has has relevance, and there's a nexus, and there's an impact uh, in in what goes on uh, in in you know uh, in New York, in 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 uh, Pennsylvania, in in Alabama, Louisiana. Find ourselves, uh, and so that's that's what's important. That we we begin to focus on a strategy that we are no longer reliant on on their police officers to give us justice. We are no longer reliant on uh, their corp- their companies to pay us what we should be paid, right? We need to own our own. We need to own our own. And, this, and, and one, one, one more question, and, you know, the, the, do you think that the people in this town are, um, uh, as the strategy is being developed, um, are more sensitive, say, and to be more um, specific, say, after, because of this event, say the uh, police review board um, mm-hmm. thinks that the people, um, based off of this um, ex- experience in this town, and using that as an example of the broader Mississippi people being engaged, they will be more active in putting in place that police review board after this mm-hmm. is over while you go through this. Yeah. And thank uh, you. Yeah, thank you, brother. Uh, well, I think. Thank this, you for your call, I, I Richard. This, yeah, thank you, brother. Thank you. I think that this circumstance to answer the brother's question uh, makes them more receptive to it. Uh, but we have to take these opportunities and these and and uh, and, and these, these situations that take place and and use it as a, a learning uh, tool to 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 build on a larger discussion, right? Uh, and so it may be identifying these issues. Uh, and, 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 you know, I, I use the, the, the phrase of, of, that has been utilized in the past in the movement that you have to meet the people where they are, right? And so it may be meeting these people on this particular issue, right, so that we can broaden the discussion on human rights. It may be in Mississippi, and, and, and there, there have been uh, uh, differing, you know, uh, perspectives on on this particular issue, but in Mississippi they, they're now going through the, the the rebel flag thing like they did in, in South Carolina, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and and the rebel flag may not uh, create any substantive, uh, whether it's up or down, has no effect on the substantive uh, uh, conditions in which people live, right? Uh, but it has symbolism, and so we want to take down oppression and all the symbols of it, right? and all the symbols of it. And so it may be galvanizing people behind even such an issue like that. We have to explore every opportunity we, we see in order to, to bring our people in and engage them in the larger discussion as to why the circumstances that they find themselves ailing, ailing from in this moment, why they occur and why they will continue to uh, occur, uh, either in the same form or, or a slightly different form, because it's a larger issue that, that's in play. Attorney Lumumba, I want to um, allude to a couple of uh, uh, comments made in published reports that I read and Mm -hmm. get you to expand on it. The district attorney that's handling the case for uh, this officer or or handling the case in that area, uh, and you could correct me or correct this report, it said that, uh, that in 28 years he's represented four counties in Mississippi and done approximately 15 police-related killings and not one indictment out of any of those. Uh, is this report accurate? 
that that is what we we he stated at a at a town hall meeting, uh, which we we attended, uh, and and you know first of all to make that that statement. That's what I'm awfully curious. You know, it's posturing. You posturing. You know, I'm no, no. I'm just saying that's a he made the statement himself. He he offered the statement. He offered the statement uh, unsolicited, uh, and it it, it was an attempt to posture to to you know uh, I guess to to calm the crowd down and say, well, it's not usual that, that, that you know, uh, uh, an officer would be tried for such a thing, right? And, and I would like to say, because that is distinguished from just a circumstance where an officer uh, killed someone in the line of duty, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, these were circumstances where there was sufficient evidence that it, it, it warranted going to a grand jury. In all of those circumstances, uh, he stated that, that he, he could not recall the time where an officer was actually indicted. And so it was, it was posturing. Uh, but, but we have to take that, right, as a warning, right? We have to take that as, as uh, an opportunity to say, look, we, we ain't, we're not going to sit quietly uh, and, 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 and patiently as they want us to do. You know, interestingly enough, there's another report where the mayor of Stonewall said that, well, our people were, were willing to wait for, for the process to play out. They were willing, they were patient until these, these outside agitators, these attorneys, uh, came came into town, right? Uh, and so they want people to stay quiet. They want it to, to be hushed in, in, in the night, right? And so we have to make sure that we amp up the pressure and, it, and that under no circumstances do they think that we're going to let that happen, right? We actually have the ability uh, to make it very uncomfortable in Stonewall, Mississippi, right? Uh, it's a thousand people. Uh, if people can come out from across this, this land to Stonewall to stand for this brother's life, to stand with this family who lost their, their son, who lost their, their brother, their, their, their father, right, their friend, uh, we, could, we, we can become the majority in Stonewall, Mississippi, and make it certain that this brother receives justice, that we get justice for Jonathan. That's, that's the hashtag that, we, that we're asking people to, to, to promote, justice for Jonathan. And Jonathan is J. O-N-A-T-H-A-N. Justice for John. Um, one other thing, but uh, we had a call here that dropped off. Uh, give us a call back or, or anybody can uh, join in the conversation at 215-253-7263. That's 215-253-7263 to join in the conversation with attorney and activist Chokwe Antar Lumumba. Um, attorney Lumumba, you mentioned uh, earlier in the conversation with Reggie about uh, Mississippi uh, being a special case, so to speak. And we see the history of Mississippi from the Mississippi Sovereignty Commission, where when the records were declassified, you've seen uh, uh, white officials using black folks, whether it was people in the ministry or other people respected in the area to spy and, and, uh, and report back. On their some on their loved ones, family members, and others, uh, you've seen the death of Emmett Till, where black folks was was involved. Uh, the Reverend George Lee, that was murdered. I mean, Mississippi has a long bloody history in reference yeah. to our people. But I, and I want you to expand on this uh, because it is also a part of a published report. Uh, you stated that um, in galvanizing. 
uh, people in Mississippi and in Stonewall in particular that is different than Ferguson and or Baltimore and that the conditions are different. The nature of the oppression is different. Expand on that for me, uh, Attorney Lumumba. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yes, brother, certainly. Uh, and, and, and to go to, to your references there, you know, we, we have to remember the words of Sister Harriet, right? Sister Harriet Tubman told us, she said, I freed a thousand slaves, and I would have freed 2,000 if only they knew they were slaves, right? And so we have to look at our, our concept of freedom, right? Uh, we, we exist in a space where many of our people, uh, you know, I've heard this, this term, post-racist society. Uh, and, and, you know, I think our people are now being awakened to the fact uh, that, that 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 doesn't exist uh, because we have more black officials than we ever had, right? Uh, in Mississippi, we have more black officials than we have, we have ever seen, right? Uh, but yet the material conditions in which our people live have not changed one iota, right? And so we have to understand, uh, we have to reevaluate what our, our, our concept of freedom is and, and understand that that uh, so long as these conditions remain until we, we truly are, are sovereign and, and, and truly are, are sovereign not only from, you know, oppressive forces that don't look like us, but oppressive forces that do look like us, right? And not be dissuaded or, 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 uh, or uh, should I say, uh, conned in, in people who who are sent as if they're, they're coming to lead our movement when their true agenda is to, to stifle our, our movement, right? The true uh, agenda is to suppress our movement, right? And so uh, we have to be, we have to be uh, prepared and, and, and uh, aware, aware of those situations. Uh, but Mississippi is a special case, brother. It is a special case uh, because Mississippi uh, – is, is the space by which many of our people have, have traveled through the rest of the country from. They've run from Mississippi. We have people, the fear is, 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 is great in okay. Mississippi, okay. right? Uh, the, the present fear for the people who, they, who, who, who presently reside in the state, right? And the fear from those who, who abandon, or, or not, and, I, and, I, and, and I don't, abandon is not the word that I, I choose, that, 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 that fled from the state. Uh, in order to to uh, to avoid the level of, of uh, ferocious uh, and insidious attacks that were taking place, that were waged on them, right, uh, have gone and, and and many it has left a sour taste in their mouth, and so they they don't desire to come back to Mississippi. Mississippi becomes a forgotten place. It becomes the unspoken place, right. And so we have to make sure that we put Mississippi back in our mouths because Mississippi it still exists as the greatest opportunity uh, for success for us, right? It still exists as the greatest opportunity uh, for, for, for us to truly uh, have liberation for, for our people in this country. And our oppressors know that, right? Our oppressors know that, and so that's why they demonstrate action in Mississippi which, which are brazen and 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 uh, determined in, in the level of oppression that they they exhibit in the state, and so we have to become uh, we have to develop a strategy. We have to develop a strategy by which uh, we look to places like Mississippi and we look to places wherever we exist and determine how we're going to to approach this issue. Right? We have to create our own Willie Lynch letter. Right? Uh, 
our own strategy, our own uh, our own plan for attack, right? So that we don't find ourselves because it's not a question of whether or not we will find another uh, black brother or sister killed at the hands of a police officer or a vigilante. It's not a question of, of whether we'll still see brothers and sisters uh, living in conditions where they don't have uh, even the basic necessities, adequate housing. It's not a question of whether we're going to see our children still suffering uh, from a lack of control of the curriculum, which which educates them, and, and having no true understanding, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we know this is going to exist, right, unless we come up with a strategy for how we move forward uh, and, and look for places that we can, that, that, you know, is the last stand. Where will the last stand be? Where will we dig our feet in the ground, right, and decide, we will, you know, it's either freedom or death, freedom or death. And I say, I say Mississippi has to, has to be looked at as, as that place. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we're going, to continue, we're going into the last 30 minutes of the program. You can get involved in the conversation at 215-253-7263. That's 215-253-7263. And while you're on hold, just turn your volume of your, your radio or your, your device down, and we'll get you right up to the conversation. That's 215-253-7263. We'll be right back with attorney and activist. Chokwe Anta Lumumba. tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 215- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. What is in one million brothers and sisters who are tired of the same old rhetoric, the same old leaders, the same old ways of dealing with political and economic empowerment? If you realize that nobody's going to save black people but us, 
if you understand that no existing political party prioritizes the best interests of African Americans as a collective, if you believe that leadership is as leadership does, and this means that the best leaders for the black collective must come from the ranks of those who place and hold the best interests of black people foremost and uttermost. If you understand that black people must develop a mindset and the will to finance their own racial uplift organizational efforts, then get involved with one million conscious black voters and contributors. The movement is now. Go to www.iamoneofthemillion.com. That's www.iamoneofthemillion.com. W-E-L-O-V-E 
Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. We're joined this evening in conversation with activist attorney Chokwe Antar Lumumba. We were discussing the case of Jonathan Sanders, who was choked to death by a police officer on July 8th, 2015, in Stonewall, Mississippi. Let's go uh, straight back to the phones. 773 area code, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Brother X, I'm calling from the most racist city on earth. Oh, Brother X, how are you, sir? I'm slow, but I'm sure I I'm enjoying your show. I appreciate the attorney. I appreciate what you all saying, but there's something I must add to this show. Keep it short and sweet, Brother X, because we got folks on hold. Okay. Napoleon said, my decision to destroy the authority of the blacks in St. Dominique, what we now call Haiti. He said, my decision to destroy them is not so much based on consideration of commerce and money. He said, my decision to destroy them is to block forever the march of the blacks in the world. And that's what happened to us here in America. When they burned our town, stole all our inventions, killed certain leaders, some of them they killed undercover, they blocked our advancement in this wilderness or North America forever. Now, attorney, I know you're doing well, and I appreciate it, but I don't know if you know this. They have plans to exterminate us. What they are doing now, what they're doing now now, they are creating the atmosphere for the extermination to take place. Our very existence here is in the balance right now. And you're not going to get no relief. Keep going to the slave master. I suggest appealing to the world for our condition here and ask for a human rights watch over us here while we can. Well, let, let's they, get to... Let's get the response from okay. Attorney Lumumba, and I want to thank you, Brother X, for the call. Uh, thank you so much for your call, Brother, and, and, and I agree that, that our appeal is not to, to request anything from anyone. I, I, I think that this is the time. Right now is the moment where we begin to rescue ourselves, right? Uh, and so that's what we're talking about is an action by which we begin to rescue ourselves and a, and a progressive strategy by which we, we understand how we will employ uh employ that, you know, how we will bring that into fruition. Uh, and so that's what we what we look to do. And I thank you so much for your for your, your comments there, brother. Uh four four area code, there's a little interference on your line. Turn if you got a volume up, turn it down. Four four area okay. code. Yeah, how you doing, brothers? Great. Who's speaking? Doing good. Yeah, my name is West man. I'm calling from Atlanta, Georgia. Attorney uh Esquire. Yeah, I spent some time in Jackson, Mississippi, man. And I'm yes, going to paint you a picture, man, okay? The most uh, eye-opening time I had awakening is when I went to Mecca Evers' house, man, okay? When I went there and walked in that driveway and saw that blood-stained driveway, and I walked in that house and saw them bullet holes all in that house, man, okay? Yeah. That's, that devil woke me up, man. That's why I wish anybody, everybody that wants to sound my voice need to just go to Jackson to see Mecca Evers' house. Well, that brother made this transition, man. You see that blood in the driveway and the bullet holes all in the house, man. But you see, sir, imagine this. My, my tool and my strategy is in downtown Jackson, you got a tall office building, right? 
And that building is I see the name written in Wells Fargo. So what would you think would be the impact if the people in Jackson and, and Stonewall say we take our money out of Wells Fargo immediately and from October thirty first to January first, we not selling celebrating none of y'all hell of a holidays. That's for Halloween, Halloween, uh, uh Thanksgiving, uh Christmas. We not spending no money, man. I think that'll be the most terrific tool that we got in our arsenal that these so-called misleaders, I call them Pharaoh's magicians, is not willing to go this extra mile, man, and start, start starving the beast and hitting these folks in the pocketbook, man. Yeah. Hey, that's gr- great yeah. solution. I love it. Let's get a response from Tony Lumumba. Yeah. Thank you for your I, call, I, man. And, call and, again. And I love it too, brother. Uh, I think that our strategy has to employ uh, economic uh, front as well, must be employed on the economic front as well. Uh, we not only need to look at it to do, to do uh, specific strategies for such a time frame, but we ultimately need to look to uh, empower our own institutions, with, uh, banking institutions, uh, which, which we own, which we own and we operate so we don't have to keep coming back uh, to our oppressor uh, in, in order to, to, to seek support. You know, and, and not only as individuals, you know, I, I see in, in uh, Jackson, Mississippi, you know, uh, many religious institutions, right? Many, 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 almost every corner, right? Uh, and every Sunday, uh, there, there literally is over 10 to $15 million that are deposited in each one of those, those churches or, or, or mosques uh, around the city, right? And uh, if we made the decision, uh, that we were going to unify uh, these religious institutions to all take their money up and put it into uh, an institution which serves the needs and interests of their of their congregation and their people. Uh, that's an immediate uh, uh, an immediate impact that we can have, right? Most definitely. So that's what we need to do uh, everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Not just in Jackson, and, and not just in Mississippi. Attorney Mumper, uh, before I go to a call, because we do have a call waiting, uh, what has the church, uh, the religious, I'm not going to just put it on the church, what has the religious institution's response been uh, to you rallying people to the death, about the death of Johnson? Well, they already know what happened to uh, Brother Sanders down there. What has been their response? Uh, well, uh, we, it, it varies. It varies between uh, different different congregations. Uh, now, I must say that that the news on this case has, has you know, and I think intentionally through through the media, been slow, right? Yes. Uh, been slow. Um, and so uh, a number of individuals and, and uh, institutions such as the church uh, have not uh, been a part of the movement to the extent we desire, and that's not... Uh, I think that it's, it's, it's our job to get the message out to them before we make the, the, the complete criticism as to whether they're there or not, right? Uh, but some have been there. And, and in Stonewall, uh, you know, the Brother Services uh, uh, essentially became a, 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 a rallying cry for justice, right? And so it was very, very, that was certainly the atmosphere that existed there. Uh, but we have to make sure that, that it's that. You know, we carry that forward. And the people are ready for something in there, right? The people are motivated, and they're, 
they're 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 hungering uh, for change, right? And they, they they don't just talk about what happened with Jonathan. They talk about the conditions they live in every day, right? Uh, and so we have to make certain that we can come there and not only you know uh, help them demonstrate uh, self determined acts such as you know standing up for for justice, right? But we also have to make sure that we establish a relationship by which we don't leave them there, right? That which we continue to to create mechanisms for them uh, to 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 uh, sustain their lives uh, in a self-determined way, right? We need to help uh, build businesses, which you know I, I believe in black businesses, but I also believe in community-owned businesses, right? And so we have to also look at that as an option: cooperative business which are worker-owned businesses, right, which have an interest in the people who work them uh, uh, making the decisions as to what their pay will be, uh, what, what their labor will be, and what the fruits of their labor will be, right? Uh, because even as we look at the strategy of, of, of working our black businesses, which I am, you know, fully in support of, right, we have to look at the long-range strategy of that because many of our black businesses are like any business, right? As they profit in a certain market, uh, they look to, to grow their profits, and they eventually uh, move outside of the market which gave them birth, right, and move into other spaces, which may lead them to no longer serve our community in the same way that they were, uh, they were uh, conceived to do, right? But if we have, in addition to those, businesses which the community owns, right, businesses which, which the workers of, those, of that business own, then the interest of that business uh, is to remain there and serve the community for which it exists. I love it. These are practical solutions that we can all partake in, and not only in Stonewall, but all over this country, especially in the cities where our, people's, where our people reside. Let's go to 215. Eric, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, Brother Elliot. How you doing, Brother Elliot? How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Hey, Brother Ralph, Brother Reg, how y'all doing? Good. And hey, Brother Lamumba, how you doing, good brother? I'm doing good, brother. I'm doing good, good brother. Our, our praise is big. Two quick comments about Mississippi. If the brother that came on be a, a minute ago, right before me, he, I joined him, Brother Lamumba, and what he said to about economic boycott, we definitely got to start using our dollars to punish our enemy. No question about that. But, you know, Brother Lamumba, since you represent the state of Mississippi, you're from Mississippi, you know, it's something about Mississippi, man. I, I read Dick Gregory's book a few years ago, his memoir is called... Uh, uh, I, 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 callous on my soul and stuff. And he said in a book when he was marching throughout the South and, and, and stuff back in the 60s and stuff with Dr. King and others, he said he had his wife Lil with him. They would march through Georgia, Mississippi, South Carolina, all these you know, different racial states. He said all was bad, but he said his wife Lil had commented him. She said, Dick, it's something about that Mississippi. She said, when we get down here, it says, chills through my bones, my spine. She said, yeah. something that's evil about that state. And, 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 and when I read that, Brother Lamoma, it just, it just did something to me. She said, there's something about that Mississippi evil, like Brother Elliot was saying a few minutes ago, that the bloody history of Mississippi we have in, in relation to our people and stuff. And I'll tell a quick story and stuff real quick. Uh, a, friend of, a sister of my sister friend of mine I used to work with up here in Jersey, She's, her family is from Jackson, Mississippi, where Meg Evans was killed at. And uh, she said she had went back to visit her family, to a family reunion back in 1998. And she had told me, she said, Brother Joe, she said, if I ever go back to Jackson again, it'll be in a box. She said, I can't take that place and stuff. I said, why you say that, Terry? She said, because, Joe, our people down there are still afraid. She said, 
My, some of my aunts and uncles who was in the 89 and 90, she said, still in fear of the white man. She said, said went to down, down Jackson, Mississippi, she had took her aunt, who's an elder, and she said she goes in the store and a little white hussy behind the store, she's t- totally disrespectful. She's like 22 years old, her aunt, 89 or 90. She tells, she calls her aunt um, by her first name, and her aunt calls the little white girl Mrs. You know, so yeah. she said that she said she, she got on the white girl by her disrespect. She said, and her aunt, you know, I ain't say nothing too much in the store. She said, oh, that's no big deal, and, and stuff like that. So she straightened the white girl out, and the white girl got like an attitude, but she still straightened out. She said if she got back, back out in the car to take her aunt to, to other appointments, she said, I jumped right in. This is what she said, but Lenoma, child, you can't talk to these white folk like that, child. You get in trouble down here, child. This, I'm, this is, not, mind you, now, this is back in 1998 now. She said, which was not that long ago. Child, you better watch how you talk to these white folks down here. And, I mean, she's still scared to death. Her uncles can't look white people in the face when they talk to them. They got to look down on the ground. They can't make eye contact. They look on the ground. They, they look sideways. I mean, this is kind of my mindset, brother Lenoma. They got to stop, man. This slave mentality and stuff, man. But the point I'm just saying to lower time is that it's something about that state, and I'm not sure it's not just Mississippi. A lot of people like that in other states in the South and probably up here in the North as well, but it's something about that state of Mississippi, brother, that chills the people's spines, you know, and that's why I wanted to comment, brother Lamont, but you keep doing what you're doing, brother. We can't, we can't give in to this white supremacy and, and stuff like, you know, like Brother X don't want to give up. I, we, 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 we don't, it's just, that's not an option. we got to continue to fight for our survival because no matter what faith you believe in, brother Lamont, we know we we got a crater on our side, and we're going we gonna to beat back this white supremacy, and we're going to become, and we will always be the great people that we are. So giving up is not an option for me. Thanks, Brother Liberal. Thank you for your, for your time, Brother Elliot. And, I, and I'll get off, and I'll you know, listen to the remainder of the show. Thank you for your call, sir. You're welcome. Thank, thank, you, for your, thank you for your call, brother. Thank you for your call. Uh, and, and, you know, I think that it's that fear, and it's that, that uh, long, that long, you know, uh, you know, horrid past and, and, and present, present. <laughs> Let's make it clear that uh, is, is necessary. Is why it makes Mississippi necessary as as the place where we dig our our, our, our uh, feet in the sand and, and decide that we we're gonna fight. That we're gonna we're gonna struggle for for uh, liberation of our people. Uh, if you look at Mississippi from a historical standpoint, uh, then you understand the, the great atrocities that have taken place. Uh, at the the uh, end of slavery, uh, the population of Mississippi uh, was 80% black. You had that many slaves in the state of Mississippi that 80% of the state of Mississippi was black. That's that's just how many people they had, you know, under under forced servitude, you know, in the state of Mississippi. Uh, and what took place. And this is this is how we, we talk about uh, the entire country and, 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 and you know the history of Mississippi's torture, but how the entire country has turned its back on. What took place is uh, after that time, uh, the whites that were in Mississippi were considered enemies of the state of uh, or the, 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 the nation, enemies of, of the union, and they were unable to vote, right? Uh, and so many of the Union soldiers that were down in Mississippi uh, during the war remained there under the hopes that they would be elected into public office. Right? And so what black folks did is what any people would do. Uh, they start electing themselves in this <laughs> position. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's where you get the, the John R. Lynch, right? John R. Lynch was the, the first uh, black 
senator from the state of Mississippi, right, um, during Reconstruction, right? Uh, and so what took place is those Union soldiers uh, took the position of how dare these black folks put themselves into office. And so uh, the North made an agreement with the South, right? They made an agreement with the South where they would draw back, right, and would leave those people uh, exposed. Uh, and that is where you have the, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the onset and, and the, the resurgence of, of the KKK, right, that, that were, were hanging our people uh, and, and, and torturing and, and, and just wherever they could find an opportunity to kill and just, you know, slaughter our people, they were doing so. So much so that you had the great migration of people leaving the state of Mississippi and going straight up the path to, to places like Chicago, right? And you had things like that going on in Alabama, which led people to places like Detroit, right? Uh, but even so, right, we have to understand that, that even though droves upon droves of our people have been drawn out of Mississippi based on its, 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 its treacherous past and present, right, it still exists as the greatest opportunity, the most pregnant opportunity for us to make a stand, right? Okay. Uh, I'm, I was born in Detroit, brother, and I'm going to wrap this up, but I was born in Detroit. Uh, all, I don't have any blood relatives in Mississippi, uh, with the exception of, of my, my one and my wife by marriage, right? Uh, all my family is in Detroit, but, and, and Detroit is, is a space which is important and is, is precious to us because it's uh, the highest number of black people in any any major city right but detroit is still an island surrounded by a sea that does not look like the the population of detroit right if you look at the state of mississippi right you see a place where if you look up the western portion of the state where you have something like 52 to 55 counties and all of them are majority black with the exception of one Warren County, uh, where Vicksburg, Mississippi is, and it is it is essentially it is close to fifty fifty there, right? And so it, it, it's a place where we are, where our, where we find our people, right? And so our battle for liberation has to be where our people are, right? And that's what we have to make our state. Well, what I like to say, my brother, um, before the break, I I got some charges. From, from from people within the organization to let you know that the one million conscious black voters contributors or we're gonna be the cavalry. We're gonna we're gonna help out in this situation. So what I did is uh, I see uh, I sent you a text with the website information for you to check it out. If you have any Thank questions you could give us a contact. Uh what I've been thinking about and I'm still I'm not stuck on this but I just want to um still continue this part of the conversation around the activism portion of a black man, woman, a child's position in this world versus their career and money being first. Uh, when we're talking about sovereignty, I think sovereignty is something that's not really something on the forefront when you're talking about uh, human rights for black people in the conversation as far as trying to extricate ourselves out of our situation in this country. We, because mm -hmm. what I see is we're always, in some form or some fashion, if it's legislation, whether it's voting, 
it's always we have to come at the beck and call of the people who are causing our greatest pain and suffering. We still have to go to them and beckon the call for them to look at us as humans or to be fair or, 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 or to give us some sort of justice. Where sovereignty, mm-hmm. you have to take responsibility for your actions. And, and the thing that, I, that I'm talking about, the brother West that called in, that uh, had those two great points, uh, what Brother X stated, what Brother uh, Joe stated. The thing I keep, the, the common theme that I keep seeing is that the reason why we, there's not more black people that stand up to do things, but the activism part is not the first part. Fear is a great, great portion, but we are playing major parts of being gatekeepers to white supremacy, whether mm-hmm. we do it intentionally or not. And I think the, the intricacy of how entrenched we are in the system is the problems for us not being in a fight. I, you know, you talk to the average person, you talk to them and tell them about the situation. Everything is okay. Everything the system will go. But when you say that, hey, you might have to not go to work for a week or you might have to fill up your gas tank and go five miles out versus the station mm-hmm. right around your corner. That's when that fear, that's where that nervousness, and that's where that apprehensiveness yeah, comes in. And I, and I want you to, you know, I want you to elaborate on that before we close out the, uh, the program tonight. Uh, absolutely, brother. I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, we, we look to do boycott, uh, in, in Stonewall, uh, and we've, we've run into that issue where we have to make, you know, a decision which makes it convenient for our people or, or, or practical for our people to avoid shopping in the areas of, of and, and, and supporting the people who don't support them. Uh, but, you know, speaking to the, the, the point of not going to uh, the slave master in, in, in order, uh, seeking our, our, uh, to, to be released of our oppression. You know, I'm reminded of the words that, that were spoken that said, look, the, sla- the, the, the slave master's tool uh, will never destroy the slave master's house, right? Uh, the judicial system, which is intended to protect the system of oppression uh, that, that is in place, will never allow for the system to be overthrown through uh, the judicial process, Right. And so what we have to do is employ a, a strategy which uh, is holistic, right, which attacks on all fronts <laughs> and is the, is the most complete. Uh, Malcolm X said that he was a, national, a revolutionary nationalist freedom fighter. He said he needed to be all of those things right? uh, because he saw that it was a holistic thing. So we, in no way, am suggesting that the, the uh, answer to our problems are in that courtroom, right? I'm not in no way saying that the answer to our problems is through uh, the adoption of, of, of new legislation, right? I think the answer to our problems exists in all spaces. Uh, I think we employ those as strategies, but I think we also, uh, we also return or we also employ uh, the strategy of being in the streets, right? We have to have grassroots organized. Right, we have to prepare our people to to fight this this uh, this fight on all planes, on all levels, uh, and in in all places that we must wage war. 
Brother Lumumba, listen, uh, before we leave tonight, again, I want to thank you for your work. Uh, thank you for walking in the footsteps of your dad. I know he's proud of you. But before you leave tonight, give us again any of that information, uh, hashtag uh, 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 justice for John, anything that you need to give us and how people Absolutely. can follow you. Absolutely. And once again, I'd just like to thank you, you gentlemen, you brothers, for, for the opportunity to, to, to talk with you and to talk with your listening audience. I thank all of the callers that called in and, and contributed to our discussion. Uh, and, and I, you know, uh, sincerely appreciate that. And I, and I look to, to, uh, to link up with you brothers in this struggle. Uh, and if you, if there's a call for, for Mississippi to come wherever you are, right? We will be there. Right? We're going to be so in touch with you, brother. You, you're right. on my Rolodex now, so I, I ain't going to forget you. All right, you. brother. And, I, and, I, and I, I, I have no problem like my father did of giving my number out because we need, to, we need to link up. We need to communicate. We need to strategize and, and educate one another, right? And so uh, that, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I've met you brothers who are, are brothers in the struggle, right? Uh, and, and so I'm asking people to come out to Mississippi and to listen to, to what we're doing and to, to uh, promote the issue of, of, of justice for Jonathan. And so the hashtag is justice for Jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N. Uh, also, there's a website that is also justice for Jonathan, uh, justiceforjonathan.com, right? Uh, and so we ask people to, to look up that and, and People, if, if there are any any uh, services you can offer, you can call my office at 601-629-7684. Our website for the law office is Lumumba and Associates. Uh, Lumumba is spelled L-U-M-U-M-B-A. Uh, the word and is written out, A-N-D, associates.com. Uh, I'm sorry, associates at gmail.com. Uh, and so uh, if anyone, you know, would like to, to provide some, some assistance in this struggle, uh, we look for, for you to, to, to reach out, and we will be reaching out to you. Uh, and we're not only, you know, we're, we're going to do whatever demonstrations are necessary, right? But we're also going to employ some, some, uh, some, some unique strategies. Okay. Uh, we, if, if, if the struggle, if, if oppression uh, changes, right? or the nature or, or the, the, the view of oppression changes, right? If, if an oppressor sees that in order to continue his oppression, it might require him to put a colored fella in the White House, right? Then we have to make, we, we have to make ways by which uh, we change our approach, right? We always have to be prepared to educate, agitate, and organize. <laughs> Brother, I want to thank you for being with us. And I know I echo the sentiment of Brother Ralph and Brother Rich. Thank you, brother. Thank I, you so much. Thank I'll, you so much. I'll and be thanks in touch. for recognizing my, 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 my Bible's birthday. Oh, no, it's no problem. I'll be in touch all with right. you. I look forward to it, brother. Thank you all so much. All right. Y'all have, y'all have a good night. All right. Free land. We'll be right back. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. <laughs> Everybody is here. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, 
visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley antiquity to the present our people need to develop a new paradigm it's time for an awakening sundays 7 p.m with your host elliot and Reggie. welcome back it's a time for an awakening and uh i want to thank our special guest this evening activist attorney mother chokwe antar lumumba thank him for his work his work down there with the case of jonathan sanders to try to bring justice for his family after he was choked to death, murdered by a police officer on July 8, 2015 in Stonewall, Mississippi. Reg. I'm here. Our people are working on all fronts. I'm, I'm I, you know, and this, this, this brother, I, I, you know, I'm just so happy to talk with him because he's not an old man. He's a young man. And this man is walking in the steps, footsteps of his dad. I know his dad is proud of him. If he could be here in the flesh, he'd be smiling from ear to ear. But he's with him in spirit, and you can see that he's walking in his dad's footsteps. So, uh, I mean, it's nothing. I, the, the brother spoke for himself. It's, it's nothing I could say to follow up uh, his work and what he's doing. Well, I sent I sent him an information. Uh, a reference to, you know, the one million conscious black voters contributors movement. Uh, we're looking for active lawyers that uh, want to do uh, positive, you know, things and representation for our family and for our people. And uh, you know, just start tonight. You know, this is a great this is a great example. Of, you know, what 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 type of caliber uh, person that we, you know we would look to try to join an organization that. And help our organization uh, move forward. So I'm very happy, you know, by having them on as a guest, and also what we're uh, what we're doing as an organization. Again, our folks can get involved, and, and it proves to me mm-hmm. it proves to it proves to me that that we're on the right track. Oh, most definitely. All these things that are going on, and it's not okay. Brothers and sisters is meeting and talking about what the issues are and the problems and give us solutions. They're actively, we've actively constructed plans, meetings, 
and follow through on follow up. And, and, and the thing that I especially like about it is, is is the forward thinking and strategic planning that's in this. We're not just looking at, you know, tomorrow or next week and we're not hopping and bouncing to each issue that happens. You know, that's what black folks have been doing for quite some time. We deal in a realm of emergencies all the time and that's when we want to react. But we already know what some of these problems are, but we have to plan strategically how we want to overcome it. And also we have to be prepared to do this for a prolonged period of time. You know, if you're not willing to uh, invest your time and energy for more than one day, don't get in the mix. And if you're not going to get in the mix, you can't complain. You got to sit on the sideline and be quiet. And then when you're ready, when you get your energy up, and you're ready to get back in the game, you know, you could go to Coach Elliott, Coach Coach Amafika, Coach Marcus, Coach Jim Klingman, and say, hey, you know, can you what can I do to get the rock? I want to get in the game. I, I want to shoot I want to shoot the rock. You know, that's that's what we have to do. But some people some people are not ready, and that's okay. But the people who are ready, if you're going to say you're ready, be ready to work. Talking is good, but you got to be able to work also. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for able-bodied, conscious, aware black men and women that understand that the problems that we face is serious. And it's not a one-day, it's not a one-approach plan. This has to be well thought out in different fronts. And we also have to be able to communicate with one another truthfully. And also, you know, I, let, me, let me pause real quick. And black folks, you know, and Ellie and I talk about this all the time because we had to deal with this. Sometimes we, you, have to be, you have to have enough humility to know where your skill set is and add what you can do where your skill set is. We have this thing where black people, we get and we start working with each other and we want to be master over every everything and don't have the, the, the most important things. What our skill set is, we don't even have that mastered completely. We want to be on everybody's lanes. We want to take over. We need to be able to work together. We need to be able to pull our money together, our resources. If you do not have money, you don't have to have money to be able to be a part of the organization. If you have a skill your skill could be the sweat equity labor in lieu of money. We need to start talking like that. It doesn't have to be always money as your donation. It could be your effort, which you can do to galvanize. If you only, if you know how to market, if you know how to talk to people, that could be your sweat equity to the, to the group. So we need to start talking like that. We need to be able to work together, pool our resources together, be able to cooperate with one another, if you have a group, if you have a group that's already established that's doing something, let's talk because we might be able to do something to benefit each other. It could be a mutual thing because all we're doing is fighting for a better place for ourselves, for and for our children. Well, I, I agree. I, I fully echo that sentiment. Uh, our folks and, can get and in close, one million www dot. One million conscious black voters and contributors. I am one of the million. Dot com. Go to the website, read the information, become a member, purchase a T-shirt, purchase the book, read the site again, educate yourself, 
and it starts spreading the word. Also, they can send an email to info at I am one of the million dot com. That's info at I am one of the million dot com. We have to start developing a mindset where we fund our own racial uplifting organizations. It's no other people that has the major money for any of their racial uplift organizations coming from other folks beside their own. I'm not saying, you know, it's good people involved in the Urban League. It's good black folks involved in NAACP, sincere black folks. It, it's sincere black folks involved in NAN and, and other uh, so-called racial uplift organizations. But the major money uh, from, those, from those organizations come from other people that don't look like the organization that is supposed to represent. We need to come out of that mindset. We need to start developing a mindset that we fund and, 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 and uh, are the major contributors and the financial backers of our own racial uplift organizations. The time is now. We can get involved. We see people all around the country that's doing things, that's working. I'm glad this program is able to put the spotlight on some of these folks that you won't n normally hear on other radio programs and you won't see them on television. So I'm glad that we can provide a service where we at least let our people know what's going on in not only their locale, but all around the country where our people are being uh, 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 mistreated, uh, where our people are, so we can put the spotlight on it, so we can get our people involved and provide mechanisms where our people can help one another out. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion, as always. And we'll be back next week, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon Or you're watching your children playing after school They seem to be so unaware of, I know, I know, the things that they'll soon have to take care of. We've got to do something, yeah.
got to do something, yeah, to save the children. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.